Hey, faithful listener. Thanks for tuning in to the P40 Ministries daily podcast. This podcast is dedicated to helping you grow spiritually so you can grow personally. Let's grow together by building a consistent Bible reading routine. This is Jen, your host, and today we will be discussing the book of Mark. Hey, faithful listeners, happy Thursday, and thanks for tuning into the P40 Ministries podcast. And I am your host, Jen, here, sharing a cup of coffee with you as we discuss Mark chapter 9, verses 11 through 29 today. So turn in your Bibles if you can. Obviously, if you are driving, don't do that. Just go ahead and listen. (laughs) But if you can tonight, go back and listen or read um, this portion of scripture on your own. If you can do that, I always recommend uh, going into the Bible. Don't just take my word for it because who knows I could be lying to you you don't know unless you read it (laughs) though I try not to I try to do the best I can here with what I've got but anyway let's go ahead and read Mark chapter 9 verses 11 through 29 I'll be reading out of the WEB version as I always do please feel free to read out of whatever version you prefer to read out of and grab that cup of coffee let's go ahead and start They asked him, saying, Why do the scribes say that Elijah must come first? He said to them, Elijah indeed comes first and restores all things. How is it written about the Son of Man that he should suffer many things and be despised? But I tell you that Elijah has come, and they have also done to him whatever they wanted to, even as it is written about him. Coming to the disciples, he saw a great multitude around them, and the scribes questioning them. Immediately all the multitude, when they saw him, were greatly amazed, and running to him, greeted him. He asked the scribes, What are you asking them? One of the multitude answered, Teacher, I brought to you my son who has a mute spirit, and wherever it seizes him, it throws him down, and he foams at the mouth, and grinds his teeth, and wastes away. I asked your disciples to cast it out, and they weren't able. He answered them, Unbelieving generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I bear with you? Bring him to me. They brought him to him, and when he saw him, immediately the spirit convulsed him, and he fell on the ground, wallowing and foaming at the mouth. He asked his father, How long has it been since this has come to him? He said from childhood, Often it has cast him both into the fire and into the water to destroy him. But if you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. Jesus said to him, If you can believe, all things are possible to him who believes. Immediately the father of the child cried out with tears, I believe, help my unbelief. When Jesus saw that the multitude came running together, he rebuked the unclean spirit, saying to him, You mute and deaf spirit, I command you, come out of him and never enter him again. After crying out and convulsing him greatly, it came out of him. The boy became like one dead, so much that most of them said, He is dead. But Jesus took him by the hand and raised him up, and he arose. When he had come into the house, the disciples asked him privately, Why couldn't we cast it out? He said to them, This kind can come out by nothing except by prayer and fasting. One question I always had about this portion of scripture when I've read it before is how was Jesus able to cast it, the, this demon out when uh, he says that the only way it could be cast out was through prayer and fasting? But I'll answer that question in a second because... <laughs> 
I think I finally figured that one out. But anyway, so Mark 9 verse 11 is a direct continuation of the transfiguration. You remember on, when was this, Tuesday, we talked about the transfiguration of Jesus, how when they were up on that mountain, the disciples went up there and three of the disciples went up there, saw Jesus, and then they were coming back down the mountain after Jesus was like transformed before them into his like holy state. They saw him literally with his kingdom and they saw his full glory and full power. But so then they're walking down this mountain and, you know, Jesus was telling them not to tell anybody about his transfiguration until after he rose from the dead. And so now the disciples are asking Jesus some questions as they're walking down the mountain. And they're saying to him, why do the scribes say that Elijah must come first? So now they have no doubt in their mind that Jesus is, in fact, the Messiah. So they're asking Jesus, wasn't Elijah supposed to come before you? You know, that's what we were always taught. We were taught that the scribes told us that Elijah was supposed to come first. Now, it's actually kind of interesting that um, last night in my personal reading, I actually read about Elijah and uh, that was not planned or anything. But I read about it and I actually gained an insight last night, which is kind of cool because now I can talk about it right now. But um, the insight that I gained was Elijah came before Elisha. And so if you look at those two prophets, Elijah was actually the less powerful of the two, if you look at it in terms like that. Elisha was the one that went around doing all these crazy miracles. So Elijah was almost like a foreshadowing of Elisha. And their names are so similar, which is also kind of funny. And then John and Jesus, also very similar names. And John is the one that Jesus considers to be Elijah here. John was the foreshadowing of Jesus. And so Jesus is saying, Elijah did come. You just didn't recognize him as Elijah, the, the prophet that was supposed to come before the Messiah. And I'm not saying that uh, Jesus is saying that John was a reincarnation of Elijah or anything. <laughs> that is absolutely not what Jesus is saying. But Jesus is comparing John to Elijah in many, many different ways. And once we get into the, the life of Elijah a little bit more, hopefully we can have a better understanding of that and talk a little bit more about why Elijah was similar to John the Baptist. So anyway, Jesus is saying to his disciples that Elijah did in fact come before and that the people did exactly whatever they wanted to do to him, just as it was prophesied about. And that's when the disciples realized that Jesus was talking about John the Baptist. So then they're walking down the mountain, they see their disciples, and there's like this huge multitude around them. So there's a ton of people like surrounding the nine disciples that are standing at the bottom of the mountain. And so there's a bunch of scribes there, and these scribes are like sitting there questioning them. And it sounds to me that this is not a friendly conversation that they're having. Because Jesus goes up to the scribes and he's like, what are you asking them? So he kind of like defends his disciples a little bit by going up to the scribes and being like, what's going on? What are you asking them? So the <laughs> so instead of the scribes answering or the disciples answering, it says that somebody in the multitude comes up to Jesus and they're like, teacher, I brought to you my son who has a mute spirit. And this spirit is trying to kill my son. It throws him into the fire. It throws him into the water. It convulses him. It does all sorts of terrible things to him. And he's had this since he was a little boy and we can't remove it. And I brought him to your disciples, but they couldn't do anything about this particular spirit that my son has. So Jesus answers this man and he's like, unbelieving generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I put up with you? Bring him to me. So he's 
upset. So Jesus is upset about something. It's likely that Jesus is upset at the scribes at this point in time because the scribes were probably, this is what most people think, the scribes are probably making fun of the disciples because the disciples couldn't actually bring this spirit out of this little boy. So the scribes are probably questioning the disciples about their authority in that way, not believing in Jesus and the gospel in that way by questioning everything that was happening here. But here's the thing. A lot of times, um, these Pharisees would go around and perform these like exorcisms and stuff. So if the Pharisees thought they could exercise these demons out of people, why weren't they doing it? So that's a question we can ask. You know, the Pharisees, they were very prideful in their own beliefs, but yet they knew they couldn't even exercise this demon out of this little boy. Yet they were making fun of the disciples possibly for not being able to do it themselves. So that could be why Jesus is angry here. He could be angry at his disciples <laughs> because his disciples had the authority to actually exercise these demons. Jesus gave them this authority, I think back in like Mark chapter six or something, when they went out and were performing these exorcisms for people, you know, J Jesus gave them the authority and the power to do that. And yet they were unable to do it for this little boy because they were not in line with God. And we'll, we'll talk about that in a second, but then he could also be angry at this father because we see here with the next couple verses that the father had unbelief. We see this here. It says uh, in verse um, 22, after Jesus is like, how long has it been since this has come to him? The man says from childhood, often it has cast him both into the fire and into the water to destroy him. But if you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. So he says, if you can do anything. So the thing that's interesting about this dad, you know, he has a belief. He believes God can do this stuff. But how often do we question it or um, think like, oh, it's too good to be true if God does that for me or something like that. And that's kind of where this dad is at a little bit. You know, he believed Jesus had this power, but he still had this like unbelief inside of him that Jesus had the authority to cast out this demon when no one else could. And he just, he had a bit of unbelief in him where he thought that um, it might be just too good to be true for his son to be healed. So Jesus answers him. He says, if you can believe all things are possible to those who believe. And that's a very famous verse that we like to hear. All things are possible. We see that all the time to those who believe. And that's where this verse comes from. So this man listens to Jesus's words and gets kind of convicted. You know, he thinks about what Jesus is saying here. And in tears, he cries to Jesus and he says, I believe, help my unbelief. So he's admitting that he has a bit of unbelief. And, uh, you know, he wants to believe. He desperately wants to believe, but his own doubts are holding him back from believing. So he asks Jesus to forgive him almost in a sense for his unbelief. And he asks Jesus to help him with his unbelief so that he truly can believe and so that his son can be healed from this unclean spirit. So then Jesus sees this multitude running towards him. And I don't know if he does this so that the multitude won't won't get a good grasp of what is happening because Jesus is always hiding the fact that he's the Messiah from the crowd until after uh, his death and resurrection. 
Because if he showed the crowd too early that he was the Messiah, it would have prevented his death in some way. So Jesus was often hiding the fact that he was the Messiah from the crowd until the right time. So I kind of think that he does this really quickly in order so that the entire multitude doesn't see it. And then word spreads around about him. But he says here, it says he sees the multitude running together. And so he rebukes the unclean spirit saying to him, you mute and deaf spirit, I command you come out of him and never enter him again. And so immediately this, this evil spirit that was inside this boy convulses this boy so badly that it looks like the boy is dead. But in fact, the spirit had gone out of this little boy. And so the boy was like sitting on the ground as dead. So the multitude who's seeing, you know, this convulsion, maybe they didn't hear what Jesus said, but they see this boy convulsing and they see him as dead. They think he's probably dead. It says that most of the crowd thought that the little boy was dead, but Jesus takes the boy by the hand and raises him up. And the boy, in fact, was not dead. And so then after this entire thing happens, the disciples ask Jesus, they're like, why couldn't we cast out that demon? And so Jesus says to them, this kind can only come out by prayer and fasting. So I always wondered about that. Like, how was Jesus able to remove that evil spirit if he was not in the process of prayer and fasting? But the fact of the matter was, Jesus was always in the, (laughs) Jesus was always doing prayer and fasting. First and foremost, it says in the Bible that he could barely eat because people were always surrounding him with stuff. And secondly, he was always going away to pray. So in other words, Jesus was always having an active relationship with his father. And I believe that this is what Jesus is really saying, that in order to cast out these demons, they had to have an active relationship with the father. The disciples didn't have to go through like an arduous process of prayer and fasting in order to get that demon out, but they should have been having a a more active relationship with God. Because that is what prayer and fasting is about. Those are two things that uh, are showing our relationship with God. You know, when we're praying, we're directly communicating with God, right? And fasting is a way for Christians to show their remorse for their sins, the remorse for the world. It's another form of prayer in a way. So those two things have very much to do with our relationship with God. So Jesus is showing the importance of an active relationship with God and teaching these disciples like, look, you weren't able to do this miracle because you didn't have an active relationship with God. And, you know, some demons are harder to exercise than other ones. We see that um, several times, like, for example, that man that had the legion of demons inside of him. Uh, those would have been very, very hard for a person to exercise. And, and we do see that there's some demons that the disciples were able to cast out and some that were not able to cast out. And we'll actually talk about that a little bit more later on, where in Acts, there's a story about these two guys who like see the power of <laughs> exercising demons. And I don't know if they were like, I don't believe that they were Christians, but they were like using Jesus's name to um, like exercise these demons. And many of the demons did leave when they heard Jesus's name. But then there was one demon that's like, you aren't a follower of Jesus. And then he beats the guys up. (laughs) Okay, it's not a funny story, really. But um, but yeah, so there are different levels of demons that we see that's very clear through scripture that there are levels of demons. So um, this one would have been a harder one to get rid of this one that was inside this little boy. And uh, this was only done through an active relationship 
with God. And Jesus possibly was upset with his disciples for not having that active relationship that they should have been having. And so maybe that's why Jesus says here in verse 19, unbelieving generation, how long shall I be with you? So it could have been many reasons why Jesus said that. Um, Could have been the scribes, could have been the father, could have been his disciples. But anyway, friends, this was Mark chapter 9, verses 11 through 29. I want to thank all of you guys for supporting this podcast in the ways that you do by listening, by sharing it, by writing reviews. You know, even reviews are very important to the growth of a podcast. So if this podcast has touched you in some way, if you enjoyed this episode, then help it to grow by sharing it or by uh, writing a review or something like that. But anyway, friends and faithful listeners, I want you guys to have a fantastic Thursday afternoon. Happy listening and God bless.